Welcome to the Valleybrook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a message from our current study, Bless. The Bless practices were created as a simple tool to help you bring the love of God to others. To watch any of our previous messages or find all listening platforms, we encourage you to visit www.valleybrook.cc forward slash on demand. Enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody here in the house, as well as those of you online. We're glad you're here, and we're excited about today's series ending message. And I just want to remind you, we've been in this series called Bless, and our desire has been to to equip us with biblical knowledge and instruction about how God desires those who believe in him and follow him to be a blessing to the rest of the world because he's blessed us. And once we've recognized that we've been blessed, we're supposed to be a blessing to others. So I'm going to invite Karen Dumez to come up. She's going to share a testimony with us today. Please give her a warm Valley Brook welcome. Good. Good morning, everyone. Oh, that's a little too big. Um, I would like to share a story of a relationship that I had with a client of mine. For those of you who don't know, I am a hairdresser and I own a salon in Simsbury. Rebecca was a client for about 10 years. We developed a relationship that evolved and changed over time. I knew her whole family because I cut cut her kids' hair as well as her mom. As I look back, the Lord revealed to me that our relationship went through the different letters of the acronym BLESS. Although I didn't begin with prayer, the relationship with prayer, but it definitely played a part later on. One of the skill sets required to be a good hairstylist is the ability to listen. You learn to ask questions, and when you truly care, people begin to share and feel comfortable with you. Rebecca would come in very quietly at first, But the longer we were client stylists, the more she would share. Everything from kids' issues like school, social status, to work, she was a doctor, to her relationship with her husband, the firefighter slash stay-at-home dad. She did most of the talking, but occasionally she would ask me about my life. And any of you that know me know that I kind of wear my heart on my sleeve, and I am not afraid to share, especially about how God is working in my life. During the first few years of our relationship, it was mostly her sharing and me listening. But then life took a tough turn for me. My first husband was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. We would continue to talk about how things were going with her, but she began to ask me how I was doing. So I would share with her how God was working in my and Joe's life through our cancer journey. 1 Peter 3.15 says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone, um, sorry, to everyone who asks um, to give the reason for the hope that you have. But she always had the same response to me. That's nice for you, Karen, but you know I don't believe in God. I said, that's okay. Joe lost his battle with cancer and went to be with Jesus. Rebecca had asked and heard the details about my experience and how God was with me, but was really surprised that it hadn't made me doubt my faith. Back then, I didn't realize how much of an effect my story had on her 
and how it had stuck in her mind over the years. Now, a few years later, I noticed at one of her appointments, she was having trouble finding words, but I didn't think too much about it. Um, she always seemed stressed about one thing or another. A few weeks later, she showed up at my shop out of the blue to tell me that she had a brain tumor and that she was having surgery tomorrow and that she was terrified. I was kind of surprised she came to me with the news, but God's timing was perfect as always. At that moment, there wasn't another client at my shop. So I asked her if I could pray for her, and she said yes. I held her, and we prayed. She called me a few days later, and she said, you did it, I made it. <laughs> I told her, wait a minute, I only prayed for you. It was God who saved your life, not me. From that point forward, our relationship changed. I brought over some meals for her and her family as she recovered which surprised them all. Then the Lord led me to invite her to some of women's ministries events here at Valleybrook, and everybody was so welcoming to her. After that, she actually started to attend Sunday services regularly. About a year later, her tumor returned with a vengeance. One day, a coworker of hers called me and told me that she was back in the hospital, and then she was asking for me to come. I went to see her and we talked. Because she was a pathologist, she knew how bad her tumor was and that she was terminally ill. I asked her if she wanted to pray to receive Jesus and have eternal life in heaven. And she said, yes. She wanted me to help her with that. So I led her in a prayer and asked her to repeat after me. She was frustrated because her brain tumor made her repeat different words. But I told her that God knew her heart. And after we prayed, sorry, she said, now I'm ready. She went into hospice and peacefully went to be with Jesus after that. She had requested that I speak at her funeral. Her husband wasn't too keen on the idea, but he honored his wife's wishes. I was one of four to speak. I was the religious speaker, <laughs> and I was to keep it short. The service wasn't even at a church. It was at Hartford Hospital where she worked. I was the one blessed to be asked. Some Valleybrook friends who had gotten to know her came and were a great source of support for me. I was able to share my story of our friendship and that I knew Rebecca was with Jesus in heaven because she had accepted him as her savior with her coworkers and family present. What an honor. You never know how God is gonna use you. Relationships take time to develop. Our lives are made up of various stories based on the things we experience and go through over time. No one can take away your story because it happened to you. God wants and expects us to share how he's working in our lives. We don't know what people's reactions will be but remember that God works all things together for good who those are called according to his purpose. We need to be obedient first and B-L-E-S-S, -S, bless the people he's placed in our lives and trust that he's working in his timing. Even when we don't see the fruit of the relationship immediately, we need to know and trust that he's in charge and he always has a plan. Remember, he took Rebecca on a journey from not believing there was a God to having eternal life with Jesus.
Thank you. Well, Karen has basically shown us where we're headed today in this journey as we get equipped more and more about understanding that we've been blessed to be a blessing. You may have seen all around the building these little stickers that have bless on it or ask the question, who are you going to bless? We want to encourage you to, to pick those up and take them and put them in a place where it will remind you that you've been blessed to be a blessing. And so every day we should ask as followers of Jesus, who are we going to bless today? And then let him lead us. Now, today I want to talk about sharing our story, okay? We all have a story once we come to faith in Jesus Christ. And if you haven't come to faith in Jesus Christ, at the end of this message, I'm going to give you the opportunity to do that. So, uh, in the Gospel of John, Jesus and his disciples see a blind man. And the Bible tells us that Jesus healed this man, and this is how he healed him, by spitting on the ground and making mud with the saliva, and then he anointed the man's eyes with mud. Now, I mean, I recognize that that uh, probably is grossing a lot of you out, but let's think this through. So, let me go on a little bit more and share with the story. So, he, he, after he anointed the man's eyes with mud, he said to him, go and wash in the pool of Siloam. And so he went and he washed and he came back seeing. Think about this. Can you imagine? When the man returned to his neighborhood walking as a man with sight, his neighbors weren't sure it was the same person. They probably had never seen him walking independently, walking on his own, walking without making sure he didn't step on something that he couldn't see along the way. In fact, the Bible tells us that they were used to seeing him blind and sitting by the road and begging. But he wasn't sitting and he wasn't begging. He was walking as they had never seen him walk before. And so they asked him how he regained his sight. And this is what we read. He says, the man they called Jesus, he said, made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. And so I went and washed and then I could see. Interesting, he doesn't talk about the spit that made the mud, but he does tell them how Jesus healed his eyes, his blindness, and changed his life forever. A few minutes later, the man is confronted by some of the religious leaders of Jerusalem. They're not angry at the man. They're angry at Jesus. And they want to stop his success, which is overshadowing what they're all about. And so they began to interrogate this man. And they also began to interrogate his parents. They're looking for some evidence that Jesus has broken one of the religious laws. So that will give them the justification so they can go and arrest Jesus. They make accusations against Jesus and they ask the man who was blind but now who sees to confirm the accusations. And this is his response. He goes, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Frustrated with the man, the leaders basically throw him out. They kick him out of the synagogue. But later Jesus finds the man and they talk and he professes his faith in Jesus. And here's what I want us all to see. Before this man met Jesus, he was blind. In fact, he was blind physically. He couldn't see. 
but he was also spiritually blind because he didn't understand who Jesus was. But then he met Jesus, and Jesus changed his life. And after he met Jesus, he was healed of both his physical blindness, but also of his spiritual blindness. He had a story now, a story about his encounter with Jesus that changed his life, and he could share it with others. So that man had a story. I have a story. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have a story. It may not be as dramatic as this man's, and it doesn't matter because the reality is if you've come to faith in Jesus, he's changed your life. He's changed not only your life here, but also your eternal destination. But he's promised to be with you now and forever and to walk with you while you live on this earth to continue to give you guidance through his spirit. But let's talk about this. Now that we recognize that we have a story to tell, we must tell our story. So I want to begin with a rather humorous insight from Pastor Justin Kendrick that he makes in his book, Bury Your Ordinary. This is what he writes. I think we can all identify with this. I like being comfortable. I like comfortable clothes. I like comfortable furniture. I like comfortable conversations. I really like comfort food. He goes on to say, comfort has been pushing its way up in the priority list in the lives of most people in the Western Hemisphere for the last 300 years. And this is where it gets a little humorous. He said, did you know that toilet paper was invented in 1857? That might feel like a long time ago to you, but in the scope of history, it's not that far in the past. There was a lot of living and dying before 1857, and toilet paper was not a part of that equation, all right? Then he goes on. The modern toothbrush didn't become popular until 1938. So he asked, could you go for a week without a toothbrush and toilet paper? Hopefully for the sake of those you live with and you're sitting around today, the answer would be no, all right? But then he says, listen, I've found in my own life that shortly after a new comfort is introduced, it quickly moves in my mind from being a privilege to being a necessity. He says, I remember the day the movie theater near my house swapped out its typical movie theater seats for brand new Lazy Boy recliners. He goes, the first time we experienced those new seats, we thought we were in a palace. Then he goes, a few weeks later, though, my family went to a different theater, and we were forced to sit in the normal, spongy, sticky chairs, every, and everyone in our family could not stop complaining. Isn't that how we do with comfort? Comfort has become such a priority in our culture that it deeply influences what we are willing to think, what we're willing to talk about. Uncomfortable conversations are often pushed off or down the priority list. Uncomfortable thoughts are often left for some future date. We crave comfort, whether we recognize it or not. You know, we're, we're quick to embrace things that make living easier, more convenient, more comfortable. And truthfully, it's part of our human nature. But as Christ followers, we need to understand something about God's big view of humanity and the world. God is not concerned about our individual comfort. He's 
concerned about our character. God isn't concerned about our comfort. He's concerned about our character. So Jesus tells us things and he commands us things that test our character to obey him and embrace his teaching. Think about this. He tells his disciples then and every successive generation to go and make disciples. Now, I've shared this many times. It's not go somewhere across the world. The actual tense in the original Greek language is basically as you're going through life, as you're living and breathing and working with your family and going to school or going to work, make disciples by the way you live and by the way you share with others. And then in the book of Acts, just before he ascends into heaven, this is what he says to the disciples then. And again, it's for every successive generation. He says, you will be my witnesses. Witnesses to what? Witnesses to the power of God who has come and changed every person's life who has believed in Jesus. So the early disciples understood that they were part of Jesus' team to tell the good news to the world. They understood the vision that Jesus gave them to reach everyone for Christ. And they understood the mission was to share with everyone that they could what Jesus had done in their lives and in the lives of others. Now, I want to emphasize that the disciples weren't professional Christians. They were fathers, mothers, raising families. They were uh, grandparents loving on grandkids. They were homemakers. They were entrepreneurs. They, they uh, were professionals. They were tradesmen. They, they were every occupation you could think. They weren't employed by the church. They were followers of Jesus Christ. And the very few disciples who rose to the status of apostles, even those weren't supported by the offerings to the church. We know that Paul was a maker of tents and he sold them to support himself as he went around the known world at that time, sharing the gospel and planting churches and leading people to Jesus. In other words, the mission of sharing the good news of Jesus was something every believer was called to by God to do and empowered by God to do. And that means for the disciples then and every successive generation of Christ followers since then, including us. And that's what the disciples told people. They told people that this was what it meant to be a follower of Jesus, that they were part of the mission, that they were blessed to be a blessing. Let me share with you what the Apostle Paul wrote to the church, the, the believers in the church in Colossae. He wrote, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So, in this passage, Paul is initially talking about himself, but then he speaks to the Christ followers in Colossae. And this is vital information 
in there for us today. Like Paul, we need to pray. We need to pray for an opening to share with others about what Jesus means to us. Because here's the reality. Your story about what Jesus means to you is your story. Nobody can debate it. No one can say, no, that didn't happen to you. You are an expert on your story. And so he says, we need to pray for an opening to share clearly. And then he says, we need to be wise and make the best use of our time to share about Jesus. Now, when Paul says, let your speech always be gracious and seasoned with salt, this is what he means. He says, your words need to be caring for the person you're talking to, and they need to be attractive. In other words, you need to tell them about what Jesus has done in your life, the, the meaning, the depth, the experience that you've had with him. And then he finishes by saying, we should do this so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. So what he's emphasizing here is that when you share with people what Jesus has done in, in your life, when you, when you bless others, talking to them about how Jesus has blessed your life, it's a conversation. It's not a monologue where you tell everybody what they need to do and what they need to believe. It's not, you know, preaching at them. It's actually both ways. It's actually you listening, not so you can respond but so you can affirm what they're saying. And then so you then, when it's appropriate, can share about what Jesus means to you and what he's done in your life. It's, it's not a monologue. It's a dialogue. It's back and forth. It's relational conversation. The Apostle Peter said something very similar in his letter to the churches in Asia Minor. And this was read all over that part of the world, which is today modern Turkey and Greece. In that letter, this is what he said. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared, like Karen quoted earlier. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do it with gentleness. And respect. Do it with gentleness and respect. Give others the hope that you have, but do it with gentleness and respect. Now, let me ask you a couple questions. If someone asked you why you are a Christian, would you be prepared to answer them? If after you told them why you're a Christian and told them the hope that you have in Jesus, and then if they mocked you, would you be prepared to continue the conversation with gentleness and respect? That's what he's calling us to do. You see, we need to know what we would say about our hope in Jesus and how we would say it no matter what. So let's talk about what your story is, okay? You know, it's important for us to know our own story regarding what Jesus means to us and how he's come into our life and how he's changed us. And it's important for us to be able to tell that story with clarity and brevity, clearly and briefly. So uh, it needs to be clear so people can follow it. It needs to be brief so people will listen. And we need to know what we're going to say 
so that we are prepared. And so I, I want to tell you uh, that I believe our story has three parts. And it's important for us actually to take some time to actually write it down and, and become familiar with it. Because when the time is right, you'll be able to share your story. So I, I believe our stories have three parts. The first part is my life before I met Jesus. My, the second part is how I met Jesus. And the third part is my life since I left Jesus. And you should be able to speak those three parts of your life so that it makes sense to those who are listening. And you should be able to do it in a few minutes, not more than five. So I'll share with you my story, all right? Hopefully it's clear and it's brief. Before I met Jesus, I was directionless. I was in college and I didn't really care about any of my classes that I was taking. And it showed in my grades. And in fact, I was on the verge of flunking out of college. I didn't have a purpose, and I didn't know what I was supposed to do with my life. And I shared that with some of my friends who were Christians. And they told me that Jesus had a purpose for my life. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not really sure I believed that. But they were insistent. And I kept thinking about what they said, and I kept thinking about Jesus. And so one day, I decided to start reading the Bibles. And then one day, all by myself, on my own, I decided, I'm going to believe in Jesus, and I'm going to follow him. You know, it wasn't, you know, there weren't fireworks. I made a decision to believe and to follow Jesus. And in the following months, I began to sense that Jesus had a purpose for my life. And this happened over the summer of my sophomore year. And when I got back to school that fall, I, I changed some of the classes that I was taking because I began to take classes that I thought would help me fulfill my purposes. And I was so excited about following Jesus. And my grades went from C's and D's and yes, F's to B's and a few A's. And I sensed that Jesus' purpose for my life was to be a pastor. And so I followed that leading. And here I am today. So it was clear, and it was brief. And if somebody wanted to ask me questions, I'd be more than happy to, to answer those questions. You see, I have a story, and you have a story. And truthfully, I'd love to hear your story. So I want to encourage you to actually, this afternoon, before the big game, take 30 minutes and write out your story. Uh, we're gonna put a, a QR code on the screen and, and you can scan that with your phone and you can email our story, your story into us or you can go to our website. You can go to the what's next part of our website and you can scroll down and it says your story and you can type it out there and submit it. Love to hear your story. It, it would bless me. Every time I read or hear somebody's testimony, I'm so blessed at the way that God brings each of us uniquely to faith in him. Now, I've said over the past few weeks that the purpose of this series of messages is to equip us with the biblical practices to be able to bless others as we see Jesus taught his followers to bless them so they could eventually share Jesus with them. Now, those practices shouldn't just be an interesting sermon series, okay? While they're going to be on our website and you can go back and listen to them and, and uh, you know, study them. I encourage you to do that. But, but the reality is this. 
This should form a way of living out the mission that Jesus calls us to live. And so remember those five practices. As we remember already, it's an acronym. It's the word bless. And just to remind you what they stand for, B stands for begin with prayer. L stands to listen to them. E stands for eat with them. You know, significant conversations happen over a cup of coffee or over a meal. S stands for serve them. And the final S that we're talked about today, it's share your story. So the reality is this. We have to ask ourselves, will we start blessing other people in our lives so they can hear about the life-changing impact that Jesus has had in our lives and can have in their lives? Will you pray for them? Will you listen to them? Will you invite them to a place where you can share a meal together and eat with them? Will you serve them? And finally, will you share your story with them? You know, we have opportunities every day to do that. We just need to open our eyes and and look for them. And we need to ask God to answer a simple prayer. God, who do you want me to bless today? And and it's, remember, it's it's building a relationship. You're not going to go through the whole BLESS acronym in one conversation, one day. It's a relationship, all right? Just like any relationship that is of significance in your life, it's going to take time. So don't try to compress it. But there might be some things that can sort of jumpstart the opportunity to begin that relationship. And and so I want to share with you two. One of them is actually immediate, all right? It it actually, the opportunity will transpire later today, and and the other one will be in a few weeks. And remember, these are just jumpstart, but you can begin to say, God, who do you want me to bless? Here's here's the first one that's, that's immediate. I think we all know that whether you're going to watch the Super Bowl or not, there's a cultural event happening today And by last year's statistics, 112 million people watched the Super Bowl. So you can guess that probably that similar number will watch today. And uh, ad executive Bill McKendry reports this, that that 65% of the people who tune into the Super Bowl do so as much to watch the new commercials as they do to watch the game. And so that's our opportunity. You see, there are going to be some commercials about Jesus during the Super Bowl. And uh, it's going to tell the world that, that Jesus gets us, that, that he understands us, that, that he knows what it's like to live your life and to live my life. You, you may have seen some of these ads already. Um, uh, if you go to the website, hegetsus.com, you can see some of those ads, but they've been splashed all over the uh, news and media and in stadiums and in music venues and during uh, major television events, and, and they always end with the same line, that he gets us, Jesus gets us. So I want to encourage you, whether you watch the Super Bowl or not, go to that website, look at the ads, because this coming week, you can say, hey, did you watch the Super Bowl? Did you... Watch the commercials. Did you have a favorite one? And then as the conversation goes, you can, you can begin to say, did you see that one about He Gets Us? Now, uh, we contacted He Gets Us because they have a, a Super Bowl pack, but, 
and we've made these available. They're in the cafe after the service. You can pick them up while they last. They're free of charge. We want to get them out to you. This book would be a great book to give somebody that's sort of questioning uh, how Jesus gets them. So they're out there free of charge. Please take them. If you run out, you can go to hegetsus.com and you can ask them to send you one and they'll send it to you for free. In fact, they, they have all kinds of free, as Peter would say, merch uh, that they're willing to give to you because they believe this, that, that Jesus gets us and they want the world to know it so they can find the promise of Jesus being with them in this lifetime and then being able to spend forever with him. And really, that's their message. That's what they want to do. And so I want to encourage you to check that out. Now, here's the second opportunity. Again, these are just ways to start a conversation with somebody. Easter is coming quickly. It will be on April 9th. And every year, we encourage you to begin to build relationships and pray about inviting a neighbor who doesn't have a church home or doesn't necessarily uh, attend church or uh, a family member or somebody you work with or somebody you go to school with or someone that you work out with, whatever you do in your free time and hobbies, invite them. If they have kids, invite them to our Easter egg hunt, which will be the day before rain or shine. And here's the deal. Invite them to come to those events with you. And even if you no longer have little kids who can go to the Easter egg hunt, but you have neighbors who do, invite them and, and bring them. Sort of take the, the grandparent role with those neighbors. Why? Again, we've been blessed. We've been blessed to know that Jesus has changed our life and, and he lives this life with us in our lifetime on earth and he gives us the promise of eternal life and we want all people to know that. Look, the reality is this. You never know when that conversation, that invitation, that blessing other people is going to lead to a change in someone's eternal destination. And this past week, we've had three people who have accepted Christ through the ministry of Valley Brook. So that's a, that's a yay, God. And, and you just never know. And so we always have the opportunity. So... I want to close today with this message, and I, I want to pray that we would embrace the, the blessed practices, and I want to pray that we would make the most of every opportunity, and I want to pray that we are prepared to share the hope that we have in Jesus and how he's changed our lives, and I want to do that so that we can be prepared, but I also I want to say this, as I do almost every Sunday, if you've never put your trust in and your faith in Jesus, I want to encourage you to take that step of faith today. I'm going to give you a prayer to pray. It's a very simple prayer. You can put it in your own words. Pray silently here in the room or online, wherever you are. And then I would encourage you to do this. Let us know. For the simple reason that we want to put some information in your hands so that you can grow in that relationship with Jesus. And we would love to connect you with someone who could answer some questions for you. Uh, there will be prayer team members up here after the service. So if you want to pray with them, we would encourage you to also come up and pray with them. But let's turn to God right now in prayer. So if you would, bow your heads. So God, as we gather here today and, and we're present in this place, Lord, we recognize that there may be somebody in this room or with us online that's never put their trust in Jesus. 
And Lord, this is their opportunity to do that. So if if God's put that on your heart right now, I encourage you to, to pray these words to God that I give to you. Just pray them silently wherever you are. And here's the first phrase. Dear God, I believe in Jesus. I believe that Jesus died to pay for my sins. I accept his forgiveness for my sins. I repent of my sinfulness. And I believe that Jesus rose from the dead and and destroyed the power of sin and death. And today, I declare that I believe in him and want to follow him for the rest of my days. So we'll end that prayer right now. But I pray, Lord, for anybody who's prayed that prayer that you would fill them with your love and your Holy Spirit right now. And I pray that you would, Holy Spirit, guide each one of us who made that decision some time ago, that you would remind us that we've been blessed by you not to keep that blessing to ourselves, but to bless others. So Lord, help us write down our story and be prepared to share with others the hope that we have in Jesus. Lord, help us make the most of the time that we have on this earth. Help us share the love of Jesus with others in ways that are caring and compassionate and with love and respect. Help us be your hands and your heart to all the world. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.